sports and social justice. They seem to go together like peaches and cream. We're going to talk about it. Welcome in to Religionless Christianity. I'm Spencer. This is my lovely wife, Nikki. And we've got a few news stories to dig into today. They are, let me pull up my notes here. We're going to be maybe bouncing back and forth a little bit on these, not following the the same flow that we always do. Because I feel like these stories sort of line up or they go together well. They're all from the world of sports. So we're going to be discussing based off of news articles that we've read. And before we dive into the news articles, do you have anything you want to say? Just thank you guys for listening to us. And don't forget to like and subscribe. Thank you. We really appreciate that. Please like and subscribe. We'd love it. All right, so this first news article that we have, I pulled it from outkick.com, but we also found it from Yahoo News and many other places. You can find it all over the place. Uh, But the headline reads, nearly half of Americans change sports viewing habits because of woke social justice. So on the outkick story, It goes on to say, um, as they say, if you need a break from politics, turn off sports. And then he (laughs) says, because of aggressive woke messaging, three times as many Americans watch sports less often than those who watch them more often. 34.5% to 11%. And uh, yeah, so that's sort of the first jumping off point Hmm. for the topic. So do you have anything off that first topic? That you want to talk about? I can't blame people for not wanting to watch sports now. I would be the same way if I was a big sports fan. (laughs) Yeah, and I am a big sports fan, huge sports fan. Have been my whole life, played sports my whole life. You know, she can attest to it. And it's almost weird looking back on 2020, you know, early 2021, how little sports I actually watched. You know, if you would have told me and told her that, all of 2020 and 2021, you're going to be locked in your house with nothing to do. I would have told you I'd be watching sports all the time. And it was actually quite the opposite, you know, and uh, a lot of that basically had to do with the woke, Mm -hmm. you know, social, you know, I'm a huge LeBron James fan. I've, I'm in the camp that he's the greatest player of all time, you know, and I would love to argue with you guys in the comment (laughs) section about that if you don't believe me. So, Big, you know, basketball fan, football fan, all that. But I just couldn't take the constant in-your-face social justice, mm-hmm. um, you know, racial justice <laughs> messaging. It wore me out, basically. Yeah, you watch sports because it, you just want the sports. Yeah, like, you just you want to break from it, right? Yeah. Like everywhere we turn is politics, and then you go to sports. And this is nothing new. People have said this, but... Another reason that I've turned away from sports, and this is not necessarily a social justice issue, but I'm just sick of hearing everything about these people. Like, <laughs> you know, we kind of talked about it before we did this episode that, you know, hearing 
how someone will just use LeBron James again, makes $40 million a year or whatever happens to be, which is God bless him. I mean, he should make 10 times that he's worth that, you know, he's worth way more than 40 million for what he brings. But when you hear about what somebody makes and then they go on TV and they're telling you how oppressed they are and how difficult life is like, you know, it's just, it turns me off. And maybe that's part of that social justice, Mm -hmm. but like, you know, if LeBron James, I didn't know what he made and all these, then when you hear these complaints and holdouts and all these other things, it maybe wouldn't wear you out quite as much. Why do they need to do that? Why do they have to talk about their personal life? Is that going to have, they're going to have more support or like, do they think there's a benefit to that? I mean, maybe it's, I mean, I think a large part of it is 24 hour news media. I mean, you have to find something to fill the time and you can't talk about last night's game forever. People eventually turn it off. So, Hmm. you know, you have to always find new topics to talk about. So you just bring up, you know, salaries and stuff like that. But I think it's also maybe more nefarious for us. Like we're an idol worshiping people. So it's Hmm. not enough to be like, oh, I love the way this guy dribbles and shoots the basketball. You know, Steph Curry's an amazing player. Like it's a lot. You idol them a lot, or you idolize them a lot more when you realize that they live this fabulous, you know, otherworldly life almost. Yeah. And you see all the things that they have, and the cars, and the houses, and the Instagram model girlfriends, and all this sort of stuff. And you know, it, maybe that brings in more dollars for them at the end of the day. The more you idolize them, the more money they make. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> so that's kind of the first topic that we wanted to talk about, and that kind of goes into the second topic. So the second topic I got from whitehouse.gov. You can find news articles on this all over the place. And uh, I just pulled a transcript from President Biden's speech. And I'm trying to see where my notes are. Yeah, so just from the normal, you know, the speech, it's your normal, like, placating to women, right? They're oppressed and, mm-hmm. you know, men are holding them down and all that liberal nonsense that you always hear. It's the liberal politician's job to set them free from the chains that bind them and all that. But the part that I wanted to bring up that was important to me um, is he talks about the gender pay gap and he talks about it specifically with women athletes. So he says, uh, The paragraph says, it doesn't matter if you're an electrician, an accountant, or part of the best soccer team in the world. The pay gap is real. And this team is living proof that you can be the very best at what you do and still have to fight for equal pay. He's talking about the U.S. women's national team. He was there with Megan Rapinoe. Do you have anything on that topic? Um. Yeah, does he not know, like, where their paycheck comes from? Like, why why their pay is so different? I mean, sadly, he clearly knows where their money comes from. But he's being, like, willfully naive, I think, or just misleading. Mm-hmm. He obviously knows where their paychecks yeah. come from. And for you guys that don't know, like, professional athletes professional entertainers, their paycheck comes from you, essentially. It comes from our eyeballs. You know, the more we watch, 
the more interest they garner from us, the fan, the more money they can make either through ticket sales or sponsorships or, you know, whatever mm-hmm. it happens to be. Mm-hmm. And he obviously knows that, <laughs> you know, but you just play it up that like, here's the, you know, the greatest women's soccer team in the world and they make way less than their male counterparts who aren't nearly as good. And yeah. like, yeah, it sounds okay on, on the surface. You're like, oh boy, that is true. They're both are they professionals. Not satisfied with how much money that they are making anyways. Well, like they were until they thought about how much the men make. I'm sure nobody's ever really satisfied with how much they make, but yeah, I mean, it's, you know, the culture that we're in right now is kind of the perfect time to jump on this like equal pay for, and I get apparently equal pay day has been a thing for 25 years. Who would have known? But yeah, like I'm sure maybe this has always been in the back of their mind. Hey, why do we get paid so little? And this isn't just us women's national team. I heard a stat that the WNBA all of the players in the WNBA combined make $10.6 million per year with all their salaries combined, which, you know, LeBron James makes 40 million just from his one salary. So you hear that and you're like, holy cow, that's such a disparity. (laughs) But the truth is like, and it's a harsh truth, but nobody cares about women's sports. And that's the reason why they make the money they make, you know, and it's, it's not going to, change unless and that's the thing too because this is why it's the social justice and that's why we're talking about it like it would be unfair to pay them equally to the men because they don't draw the same as the men there's no interest in them like there is the men there's the attendance is different the viewership is different sponsorship all that is different so if you say all the stuff that should matter we're going to forget about and we're just going to make you get paid equal because we think it's fair. And where would that come from? Where would they even get that money from? Maybe the uh, the lefties on Twitter will <laughs> cough up that money to make up But doesn't that make you think, what do we talk about? It's covetousness. When oh, you see what somebody else has. You were fine with what you were making until you heard what somebody else made. Like, I didn't even look up that Bible verse, but Jesus is talking about a parable and all the workers, like one started earliest in the day. Maybe there were like 10 workers. They all started at different times and they all agreed whatever it was, a denarius or whatever they call it. But, and even the last person who only, who came at the end of the day and worked maybe an hour agreed to a denarius as well. And the person who started at the beginning of the day who had agreed yeah, one denarius is fine with me, but then he saw the person who came in last and only worked for an hour also got paid a denarius. And he complained and thought, I should get more. But you you agreed to that. Like, that's you were fine with it until you saw that I gave the same. Like, you can, it's just that idea, like, you're not happy with right. what and you knew you were going to get. And contracts used to mean something. They don't really mean anything anymore. Uh, but, you know, yeah, that's, that's true. And like, if you were a female who wanted to be paid at or above what a man was being paid, like singers can do that, you know, like a female singer can draw as much or more money than a male singer. Maybe Megan Rapinoe should have gone into 
being a pop star. Like, if it's about money, maybe she's she can make more money somewhere else. But yeah, it's covetousness, it's envy, <laughs> and it's also a little bit of naivety to think that like, well, we're the best women's team in the world. Like, sure you are, and you've gotten heaps of praise. I mean, for God's sakes, you wouldn't be standing next to the president of the United States if you weren't a female soccer superstar. So yeah, that story is social justice. What they're pitching is unfairness. They want to make the system unfair to appear fair. Mm -hmm. So it's just, it's nonsense. So uh, we'll move on here really quickly just because we don't have a lot of time. We're going to try to squeeze this in in under 20 minutes. Uh, We'll see. So the last story that I have here is again from President Biden. And it's an article that I got from the New York Times. I know, the Times. But it says, Major League Baseball sent a warning shot on Friday to Republicans considering new laws to restrict voting, pulling its summer all-star game out of suburban Atlanta in a rebuke to Georgia's new election rules that will make it harder to vote in the state's urban areas. And then it goes on to say, The announcement by baseball commissioner Rob Manfred came after days of lobbying from civil rights groups and discussions with stakeholders like the Major League Baseball Players Association. The action is likely to put additional pressure on other organizations and corporations to Mm -hmm. consider pulling business out of Georgia, a move that both Republicans and Democrats in the state oppose despite fiercely disagreeing about the new voting law. And then the last bit of this I want to read is it says, Mr. Biden, in a television interview with ESPN before baseball's opening day on Thursday, said he would strongly support moving the all-star game out of Atlanta. He said it would have an outsized impact on people of color. He called Georgia's law similarly restrictive. He called it, wait, he called Georgia's law and similarly restrictive voting bills that Republicans are advancing in almost every state they control Jim Crow on steroids. Do you have anything before I dive into this? I think you should just dive in. Get ready. (laughs) All right. So just a quick run through of what Georgia's new voting law does. And then we'll give just a short history on Jim Crow laws. (laughs) So what this law does is it requires voter ID, which has been talked about forever Somehow that's racist. Um, It shortens early voting periods, changes ballot drop box locations, it expands weekend voting, and it increases oversight on county election boards. So these are considered Jim Crow on steroids to our president. So what were Jim Crow laws, you may be thinking? So they were basically around for 100 years. They ended around 1968 in the Civil Rights Movement. And they were laws that enforced racial segregation. You know, things like public parks were forbidden for blacks. Um, Theaters, restaurants Mm -hmm. were segregated. Waiting rooms, water fountains, restrooms, even cemeteries were segregated. Wow. You know, blacks couldn't live in white neighborhoods. Mm separate textbooks, interracial marriage was forbidden. Like, that's what Jim Crow laws were. And he thinks this is worse than that. So this is Jim Crow on steroids. Like, who believes that statement? Nobody (laughs) believes it, and that's the thing. So it's almost, and we were 
talking about this briefly. It's basically reverse discrimination. I know you guys have probably heard that talked about, but it's the idea that if you make something a little more difficult, minorities and especially blacks can't do it. Like if you have to have an ID, mm. now sure, whites can get an ID, but black people, they can't get an ID. That's a bridge yeah. too far. Even though the same government will tell them they have to have an ID to fly on an airplane, apparently they don't want blacks on airplanes. You know, you have to have a ID to buy alcohol. So they don't want blacks to buy alcohol. You know, and yeah. like, in the same article, he talks about trying to protect this most sacred right that we have in this nation of voting. And their ideas of protecting this most sacred right is just to let whoever stumbles into this country on a weekend bender vote for our leaders. Like, what sense does that make? No, everybody's got to be. A, they got to make someone be a victim. Like, that's everybody's all they're about. Yeah, like everybody's a victim and it's nonsense. So again, this is just trying to drive that wedge. You know, and the thing that's funny about it is Georgia is like 34% African-American. Atlanta is 50% African-American. And pulling this all-star game out of Atlanta, Georgia is going to take like $150 million out of that city that mm -hmm. they would have made. Yeah, and that would have helped the minorities with their businesses. Yeah, and then yeah. not only that, they're trying to get other businesses to leave Georgia. Yeah. Like, they're saying, we love black people so much that we want to take all their jobs from them. <laughs> like, what? No, it doesn't it make makes, any sense. It doesn't, no. So I just try to get this thing wrapped up here in the timeline. So I thought, why did we bring this up on religionless Christianity? Like, why is this a topic we feel we should discuss? And ultimately, I think it comes down to it's ungodly. Um, yeah. These people, the politicians, the athletes from all sides, they're just lying to you. And they're acting in an ungodly manner. You know, here, like religionless Christianity, we're not Democrat, we're not Republican. We think politicians are vile. But we're concerned with God and what the Bible tells us. And, you know, the Bible's pretty clear on liars and how to deal with liars. You know, I wrote down Proverbs 12, 22, Proverbs 12, 19, Proverbs 6, 16 through 19, Revelation 21, like we talked about uh, in the previous episode, liars go to hell. Like that's in the Bible. So you need to be weary of liars and people that are blatantly lying to you. And that's what this is. Yeah. You know, King David, he gives us wise counsel on this in the book of Psalms. He says uh, in Psalms 101, um, verse 7, he says, No one who practices deceit shall dwell in my house. No one who utters lies shall continue before my eyes. He's like, if they're a liar, get them away from you. Like, they shouldn't even be around you. And, like, politicians, they're, I, I had the thought of that they're like Freddy Krueger, like, He's kind of an older reference at this point, but there was a movie where Freddy Krueger kind of went away and they were like, oh, people lost fear of him. They stopped thinking about him. And Freddy Krueger gains his power from your fear. And like, that's politicians. Like the more you think about them, the more you give them your attention, your fear, the more control and the more power they have over you, which is why they mm -hmm. try to drive this division and hatred because yeah. it's easier to control us that way. Yep. Yep. That's why you just, 
I had to turn the TV off. <laughs> so, yeah, and I wanted to end this mentioning a sermon and a quote from the, a book that I want us to expound on in later episodes. So make sure you subscribe, hit that notification bell so you don't miss these when we get to it. But the sermon is by Vodi Bosham. That might be how you say his name. You probably know it better. Vadi Bakum. <laughs> but anyways, if you're a Christian of any stripe and you aren't listening to Vadi Bakum, V-O-D-D-I-E. Um, definitely you need to start listening to Vodi. But he does a sermon, and I'll have it linked, on biblical justice versus social justice and how they are very different things. And Christian America is getting sucked into this place where we think they're intertwined, that they're the same thing, and they are vastly, vastly different. So we will try to discuss that. And then I want to, do you have anything else before we end this on these topics? So the question I want to leave you guys with comes from the book City of God by St. Augustine. Uh, Wonderful, wonderful man of God. If you haven't read this book, I highly encourage it. But the part that I want to leave you guys with is he's being asked or he's sort of asking these questions or bringing these questions up based on questions that he had been asked. And the question he says, again, it is complained. Many Christians have been led into captivity. So this question he's getting is people complaining to him about, well, you believe in this God, right? But all these men and women have been led into captivity. What about that? And we hear this all the time, right? Like, well, what? What does the Bible say about slavery and all this? And he goes on to say, this would be lamentable indeed if they had been led to a place where they could not find their God. Mm. But Holy Scriptures give us instances, instances of great consolations bestowed even in such calamity. Basically saying that, yeah, captivity would be terrible if you didn't have a chance to know your God. So that's a topic that we are going to discuss that's in a so later <laughs> later episode. So again, this episode is running long. We love you guys. Please hit that notification bell so you don't miss these. Um, drop us a comment. We'd like to hear from you. But otherwise, that's all we got. God bless. Mm-hmm.